Yeah. And so when you look at the total revenue mix today, uh, I mean, look, if you have 65% of your revenue is B2B and your current like B2C or your lower ARPU model is, you know, 1.82 million revenue, that means you got another 2 million on the B2B side. So are you guys sort of around like a 4 million run rate today? Something like that? Yeah, um, we're around like 4.2-ish. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey, folks, my guest today is Drew D'Agostino. He's the founder and CEO of Crystal, specifically crystalnose.com since 2015. Backed by Salesforce, HubSpot, and other investors, he is Forbes 30 under 30 in enterprise tech. He's author of Predicting Personality, How to Use AI to Understand People and Win More Business. He's a classically trained pianist, pilot, and distance runner. Drew, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, let's go. All right. So what is Crystal Nose for folks that are not familiar? Crystal is an adaptive selling platform. So we use personality data and other behavioral insights to help people connect better with their customers and communicate more effectively. Um, so yeah, we've been around about seven years now. And are you selling to you know, an e-commerce brand trying to identify consumers or like a B2B brand that's looking to identify new business customers? We've got customers all over the place, but primarily B2B. And if it is consumer, it's consumer, like very high ticket consumer items, really high touch sales processes, which are like very relational. So mm-hmm. not so much transactional or e-commerce or anything like that. So should we think of this like, I mean, it's not cookie-oriented data, or maybe it is. It's more like first-party data, more like a Bombora sort of style tool? Yeah, in that lens, it's adjacent. It's not competing with tools like that. Um, so Crystal, Crystal is dealing with behavioral data and specifically like predicted behavioral data. Give me so an there's, example. There's a, lot of, so there's a lot of information out there about people. So if you're looking at a LinkedIn profile or there's lots of enrichment services where you can get someone's job titles, interests, skills, anything to that you could use to personalize communication. So there's a lot of that data out there. Um, and it makes it, it it makes personalization on one hand possible, but on the other hand really hard because it's impossible to do all that research and actually um, put that into action in an efficient way if you're a sales rep or if you're communicating with customers. So what Crystal does is uses predictive models to take all of that information and then summarize and uh, summarize the best approach for that person and then how you can do things like negotiate with them, discuss pricing, um, really follow them throughout the sales process. So we so what we have is machine learning models that say, okay, based on all that we know about them, like the facts, here's how you should present your message and your process. And that could be based on, uh, we, we use it model called disk. So we've historically been this personality, kind of a personality app. Um, and ever since we've gone out market, we've kind of adapted that that whole model to just make the sales process a lot more efficient and personalized. So Drew, up market, I, when I hear that, I hear higher mm-hmm. ARPUs, higher ACVs. What's the average customer paying you these days? So our, our business is still divided between this um, self-service customers who's historically for the first six years of Crystal was our main customers and our B2B customers. So for them, we have annual enterprise contacts. So the, the whole focus really right now is in the B2B side. So I'll just focus on those numbers. That is around around 8,000 
annual um, annual contract value versus the self-service, which has historically for us been mostly monthly contracts, but if it's annualized, it's five or six hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And what's the breakdown between both of those? Like, uh, I guess you were founded in 2014, so you were doing the self-service all the way up through 2020. Is that right? We we actually just um, got out of self-service last month. So oh, wow. We yeah. So but but over I would say since we we started really focusing on B2B in mid 2020. And that business just started kicking in the beginning of 2021. So since like really the beginning of 2021, it's gone from almost 0% um, B2B to about 60 to 65%. So it overtook the majority of our revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and more important, probably more importantly than the ACV, the retention is a lot better on the B2B side. I kind of anticipated that, but I didn't anticipate the degree to which it would be better. So yep. we realized that our business is actually much better suited to be an enterprise SaaS company as opposed to like a self-service product, totally product-driven one. Um, so that's we decided to just, it's still technically an experiment because we don't know if self-service is totally in our past, but we want to see what this business, how it performs with a just total B2B so, model. So how many customers today pay for your B2B tool? Uh I would say 350. That would be the okay, yeah, so it's getting yeah. It's getting up there then. Now, did you recruit those 350 out of individual users who used to be your self-serve or do you have to go recruit those 350 brand new over the past 12 to 18 months? It's in a mix. So the, this, the breakdown is, actually, I don't, I don't really know the direct breakdown other than just guessing it, but there's definitely a contingent of those who were using our product for a long time as individual users. And then we didn't just change the pricing model. We also added a lot of robust features to the product that made it better for enterprise. So a, a lot of them have come in through self-service mechanisms. Um, some examples of those are like big professional services organizations, um, like Accenture is one of our big customers. Mm-hmm. They've, mm-hmm. they've used Crystal as individuals for a very long time. Um, and ever since then, we've kind of slowly been piecing together team deals and going with more of a B2B motion. So it's kind of an right. example of that. Yeah. It's a good, and, it's a good, it's a good thing for anyone to do that just like the self-serve folks is go look at all your thousands of self-serve users paying 29 bucks a month. Look at the domain name of signups, sort, you know, alphabetize them and then highlight conditional formatting in Excel where there's duplicates. And when you see Accenture, 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 and there's like seven people on a team at Accenture using you, there's clearly an enterprise motion there. Is that sort of what you did? Yeah. So there's a difference between self-service customers and Crystal's free user base. We've got a massive free user base. It's about thirty to 40,000 people, depending on the month, who sign up monthly for our product. And they go through the motion of filling out personality assessments, downloading trials of our tools. Like There's a lot of things you can do in Crystal for free. That's still the main funnel for our enterprise business. But there is a segment of those who have signed up for um, different types of paid uh, subscriptions we've had over the years. And I mean, if you were to add them all up, there's probably been something like 18 to 20,000 of those paid customers for some crystal product. Some of those have been recurring. We've also had non-recurring products in the past. So of those, that's kind of like the low-hanging fruit for us. So we can either look at the current customers, also revisit the ones who have had a you know individual subscription in the past and start rolling out in like a marketing qualified lead flow. Yeah. Um, to, to find out opportunities. So we're, got, we're kind of going at it. The, the good thing we have is seven years of experience and seven years of a giant funnel into Crystal. What we're not so good at is 
really efficiently identifying those opportunities. So that's one of our big priorities this year. Andrew, so, so how many folks are still paying today for that self-service tool? You know, 600 bucks a year sort of deal. It's, I'd have to get the updated count, but it's more, it's definitely more than 3000. So it's, it's more oh, than wow. 10X. The, yeah, it's more than 10X the, the enterprise customer base in terms of just wow. number of users. Yeah. So that's still, I mean, 3,000 3, times 600. What is that? That's like $2 million of ARR right there, right? It's still, yeah, it's still a big chunk. Yeah. So how do you, I mean, do you, you mentioned like you shut it off and now B2B is 65%. Like what does shut off mean? Do you, do you yeah, stop yeah. servicing just, them? Let them turn off? Like, what does that mean? No. So we, everyone that had a self-service account still has access to all their tools and they, and most of those users are, are pretty active at this point because, um, they've, they've had the opportunity to just like, you know, you settle out with that churn curve. So our approach with that has been let them keep their access to the tool. But at the same time, build onto the enterprise offerings that we have. And there's a lot you can do in Crystal now that you just, as a company, that you can't really do as a customer or as an individual user. So we've been trying to go at it from a value perspective. Like, all right, let's let's make this enterprise product more appealing to these customers who have these like self-service accounts. But as far as new customers go, you can right now, if you go to Crystal's pricing page as a free user, you you can't sign up for the self-service account. So for that, we've, we've used the approach. We've actually just like kind of taken the approach to a lot of these other sales enablement businesses like Gong, where it's just this big pricing request form. And you can kind of go through that and um, just basically just talk, talk to our sales team in a pretty fast, still pretty high velocity. Like, Understood. Do you guys care about valuation right now, specifically your valuation? Do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company? There is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than FounderPath's new valuation tool. We have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days, all the revenue numbers, all the valuations, and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products, that's plural, forward slash valuations. Again, both plural, founderpath.com forward slash products, forward slash valuations. And so when you look at the total revenue mix today, uh, I mean, look, if you have 65% of your revenue is B2B, and your current like B2C or your lower ARPU model is, you know, 1.82 million in revenue. That means you got another 2 million on the B2B side. So are you guys sort of around like a 4 million run rate today? Something like that? Yeah. Um, we're around like 4.2-ish. Okay. And where were, if you're there today, where were you about a year ago? A uh, year ago, let me look it up real quick. I'm going to say three. Um, Three-ish. Some, somewhere around three, yeah. I'm curious when you say look up, what tool do you use to track this stuff? <laughs> well, I, uh, if, I am looking in bare metrics right now. I do not nice. really want to look at bare. I do not want to look at bare metrics. Um, Why is I that? Like these, um, I've just had some issues with the tool. So I, I, all of these tools have always like I use. I use bare metrics, profit well, founder, founder, uh, well, technically founder path for um, a couple of the things. I, I look at all these and I look at my spreadsheet, um, and all of them have just like little quirks about them that make me need to use another tool. Yeah. So I can tell you, I can tell you right now I use for my investor updates and my screenshots with, with the graphs, I use bare metrics for um, analyzing churn rates and like 
segmenting my customers and all that. I use ProfitWell um, for looking up mostly on founder path. It's kind of like looking up the, um, the amount of funding that I could get, you know, seeing what the, seeing what the business health, I really like the business health scores of it. So seeing where I am benchmarked relative yep. to other companies is very helpful. So I always like toggle between these things. That's so and funny. My financials, yeah, we, I have my spreadsheet. Yeah. We, you can tell I me, mean, we, we are actively trying to figure out, can we just create all this in one thing and give it away for free? But it's like, everyone wants like a different little quirk. And many times you just end yeah. up in the spreadsheet anyway. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, I, I definitely want to, I definitely want to replace most of that with one tool. Um, as far as financial source of truth goes, there's only so much you can get around the spreadsheet, yeah. but, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, but definitely growth, presentation so wise. Yeah. Three to 4.2 million. I mean, that's good growth. Now, now you, you did raise though, a bunch. I mean, back in, I think 2015, 2018, right. Have you raised since then? We've not raised since, um, January, 2018. That was the yeah. last round that Salesforce put in. Yeah. That's been a while. I mean, have you given any thought to like buying them back out? Um, you know what? I haven't really. Uh, it's 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 more of like so. There's not there's not a great reason to buying them back out at this point. I don't think because Salesforce is a really helpful partner for us. So um, and they're they're just great to to work with. They're really it's really. Um, it's been a good partnership. Like I like having, really like having them on the cap table. Um, Salesforce is also one of our larger customers too. Yeah. So it's kind of great to have those multiple, you know, multiple levels of connection. So I would say if they were just a random VC, then I'd be looking at that. But because it's strategic and good Salesforce, um, yeah, I, I like having them on the cap table. There's no... And any plans yeah. to raise in the near future or you're good to go? You're profitable. You're going to say sort of bootstrap mentality moving forward. I wouldn't say bootstrap mentality. So this year we are adopting, so we've spent about 18 months kind of solidifying what this enterprise, I call it enterprise, what this B2B model looks like. Um, enterprise means a different thing. So after that first 18 month sprint of it, I'm actually now way more convinced that Crystal has far more legs and this thing could have a very viable path to like, maybe not a 10X, but like a 5X from the, where the revenue we are right now. That... That might take more money. I don't know yet. Yeah, we've got plenty of cash because we've been profitable for about three years. So we're not, yeah, so we're not like looking to raise. But I am investing now, so we got to burn right again. We are growing on the product side, especially doubling down on um, some of our. What's the team size, Drew? Today, there are thirty. And how many engineers? A couple more. Um, engineers plus data science is. Nine will be ten. There seasons. you go. Yeah. That's how I measure as someone really doubling down on product and R and D. Okay, there's nine. They, they're doubling down. This is great. Yeah. By the way, you're like the exact. I mean, if at your run rate, I mean, founder path could get you pretty. I mean, almost overnight, about two million bucks of capital. I mean, you're the exact kind of founder we like to sort of work with. So I'll follow up with you afterwards on that. I'd love that. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. Very, very cool story here. Um, we're also excited to have you speaking at Founder 500 on September 1st in Austin, Texas. Why don't you tease a little bit what you're speaking about? What What should people expect to see in your slide deck? Yeah, I've always thought that you shouldn't go speak in an event unless you have something to say. So I wanted to actually, I'm, I'm glad we actually had an interesting insight from the last couple of years. Um, I think the most helpful thing for me was um, getting out of my security blanket, which was our self-service business and leaning on a sales team and, and letting my sales and customer success teams do what they do well. And ultimately figuring out that we could increase our LTV um, from around roughly 500 roughly 500 
to 2000 total. Um, and that's across the whole customer base. That's because the, the LTV between our two businesses, um, are vastly, vastly different. Yeah. Um, so that's, um, that was the main insight. So being able to, in 18 months or so, or maybe a little bit more than that, it might be, it might span a two year technically span, but going total L, total LTV from like 500 to 2000 has been a really big insight for us. And that's just going to keep improving. I'm, I'm trying to accelerate that by just making sure most of our new customers are all coming in this like 8,000 and upside. And, um, our, we're kind of continuing to just let the self-service business sit in its current form. So guys, don't miss, Drew's present, don't miss his that. presentation. It'll be on Friday, September 2nd on the main stage at 2 PM. And the title is life after freemium, how they killed their free business model, killed their, their first business model, built a new one from scratch and increased LTV by 400%. It'll be a good one. Drew, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. How to win friends and influence people is probably still, yeah. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, CEO I'm following or studying. I think, I mean, I, I read Jeff Bezos's investor letters, probably trite at this point, but I read his investors, investor letters pretty frequently. So I'd have to say him. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building crystal? <laughs> it's Google apps. Yeah. yeah, me too. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Try to get eight. Okay. And situation, married, single kids? Single. No kids. Okay. No kids. And how old are you? 32. 32. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. I wish I knew... I wish I knew that I was that I was actually capable of being technical and also learning classical music. I used to think of myself as a total creative and I was, and I just was not capable of learning technical skills. Um, and I learned that I am. So guys, there you have it. Crystal knows uh, they're helping. They used to help sort of self-service customers now doing more B2B work with companies like Salesforce, helping them build profiles of their potential customers. So that Salesforce knows how to go sell to those customers ahead of time. A really interesting business model. I have 300 enterprises using them today, but 3,300 total customers altogether just passed a $4.2 million run rate up from 3 million just a year ago. That's all while being profitable over the past three years, despite raising about 6.9 million bucks of VC back in 2015 and 2018. But again, profitable today, growing nicely, team of 30. Drew, thanks for taking us to the top. All right. Thanks, David.